The Vikings reportedly have a head coach. Let's talk about the coach they got and the coaches they didn't want so much here at the Viking Update Show with John Krasinski. I'm Jim Suhan. This is part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. It's the best way to listen. All right, John, let's get right into it. Uh, the, the Vikings didn't seem all that impressed with Jim Harbaugh, and they immediately pivot to Kevin O'Connell. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it was an, an eventful day earlier this week, Jim. I mean, you know, I do think that uh, when Jim Harbaugh arrived for his meeting in person, his stature, his success, all of the things that he brings with him led a lot of people to believe that this was a coronation, that he was coming in, that they were going to rubber stamp him as the coach, and he was going to be introduced as the Minnesota Vikings coach. I've spoken to a lot of Vikings people um, inside the organization in the days leading up to the Harbaugh interview and, and it, after the Harbaugh interview. And it was always said to me that, you know, John, we made it clear to him that he was coming in to interview and to compete with the other three finalists for this job, that nothing was promised, that um, he was going to have to win the job. And um, I'll be honest, I looked at it and said, look, you don't bring in Jim Harbaugh for yep. just a tryout. You just say you, it, this is either his job or it isn't. That was not the case, quite obviously. Um, he came in and he was, from all accounts, he was absolutely Jim Harbaugh. This weird <laughs> kind of dude that... I think early on had a you know the the energy in the building was like holy cow this is Jim Harbaugh he's in the building he might be the head coach and then the more they talked to him the more it was man this dude is weird not like not like a you know a terrible guy or not like a you know yelling and screaming or 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 brooding or anything but just a weird guy and and so I think eventually Basically, the, the decision was made by the Vikings, not by Jim Harbaugh, but by the Vikings to not give him an offer because the one thing about Jim Harbaugh is if you're going to hire Jim Harbaugh, you have to be all in on the Jim Harbaugh experience and just know that it's going to be difficult and know that there are going to be days where you're left saying, what the heck is going on? But also knowing that, guess what? He's probably going to win a ton of games for you. And if you're prepared to do that, if you have the stomach for that experience, then you go all in and you hire him and and you buckle in tight and you say, this is going to be rocky, but uh, we're going for it here. And I think just too many people in the Vikings organization looked at it and said, no way, man, not after we have been kind of preaching and we have this vision for kind of reshaping how we do things from a leadership standpoint and what we, what are important to us from qualities in a leader. We're just, I, I, we can't do this. And so eventually both sides agreed. This was not a good fit or parting ways. He leaves, he goes back to Michigan, but, and, and the Vikings turned to Kevin O'Connell, who I think is much more of their speed and much more of like what they want from a leader as a head coach and so, but yeah, you talk to people and there's a lot of like, whew, that was something else. And I just think that ultimately the Vikings just said that was too much Jim Harbaugh. 
And, and they, uh, so they went back to the guy who they really, really did like in Kevin O'Connell. They said, you know, I've been told that he just knocked his interviews out of the park and they really are excited about what he's going to bring to the table. It's a fascinating choice to make too, uh, because Harbaugh is weird. I mean, we've all known that we all talked to people in the league, writers who covered him, people who know him. He's an odd duck, man. He is a weird dude and he's an excellent coach. And O'Connell's kind of the opposite. I mean, everybody talks about just how, how normal he is, how down to earth he is, how thoughtful he is, but he's unproven. You know, it, it's it's a fascinating choice to make. I do think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, black coaches not being hired later in the show, but just in terms of resume, coaching tree, and age, it makes a lot of sense to pair this kind of guy uh from Sean McVay's very young yet incredibly successful coaching tree with a young general manager. Yeah, and and I think like first of all, um, this might be the wrong decision. Sure, like they you, you, Harbaugh may have won a ton of games and everything would have went well. Maybe Kevin O'Connell is not ready for this job and and he flails. It's that's entirely possible. Um, you know, at, at, but um, I do think that what they were looking for like you said, is, is just uh, the kind of guy who is going to work hand in hand with Quasi Adolfo Mensa and isn't going to dominate sort of the proceedings. And there was a feeling that I, and here's what I felt, I guess, about Jim Harbaugh, Jim going into this is I felt that Jim Harbaugh is the kind of coach you, you hire. If you believe you're on the doorstep of a Super Bowl. Like you bring him in and he's going to push you really, really hard. And he may even piss you off. He may ruffle feathers. He may do all of that, but he's going to agitate and he's going to, to do things the way that he does them and maybe push you over the top into the Super Bowl and into a Super Bowl title. I don't think the Vikings are that close to a Super Bowl championship to be frank, to be frank with you. And so I think it makes more sense to bring in a more even keeled guy who is going to be able to kind of navigate uh, a season maybe of transition, whether they keep Kirk Cousins or not, um, this is going to be tough. And maybe O'Connell does unlock things and and maybe they do make a Super Bowl run. But as currently constructed, I didn't think this roster was ready for just an all-in win-now head coach like Jim Harbaugh. And so if you're not ready for that, then the chances of Jim Harbaugh working out uh, decrease even more, I think. Like if he is in a situation where he doesn't feel like everyone is is going for every single win and doing all of that, um, then then he that's going to turn ugly. And, and so, um, you know, the Wolves have made it clear that they do not want to rebuild that they want to go after it. And maybe O'Connell will represent that and give them that opportunity to do it. But if, if it doesn't happen, if they can't make it work, if Daniil Hunter and Harrison Smith and Eric Kendricks and a bunch of these guys still have injury issues, if Kirk Cousins uh, is still here and weighing down the cap, or if they have to trade him and, and they bring in a young quarterback who isn't as ready to, to win, I think Kevin O'Connell is more equipped to – navigate that and be in it for the long haul than Jim Harbaugh would have been, which is why I do think that in some ways it does make sense that they went away from Harbaugh toward O'Connell. 
the whole idea of you know deciding whether this team's rebuilding or trying to compete is fascinating. We're going to get into that. Hey, we'll, we'll let you know. We do su- recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. It's the easiest way to listen to the network. You can also go to talknorth.com, see all of our sports shows, and some really cool outdoor content. Minnesota Bound, The Flush, Destination Polaris. We have a bunch of outdoor shows. Of course, we have a bunch of sports shows. Cheryl Reeve, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, Lavelle Neal, Roy Smalley, John Krasinski, John Malay, Jeff Diamond, and more. We appreciate everybody who listens, and we appreciate our sponsors, Aquarius Home Services, Star Bank, and State Farm agent Tony Hoagland. So if you're Kevin O'Connell, and of course, this is a complete mystery question. We don't know the actual question uh, answer to this question, but it's interesting to contemplate. Do you think when he gets here, he thinks, oh, you know, I have a quarterback who's been productive. I have a really talented running back. I have excellent skill position players. If I fix the defense a little bit, we can make a run. Or do you think Kevin O'Connell comes in and says, okay, let's get past this uh, first year and we can really do some work? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I really don't know, Jim, um, because he has worked with Kirk Cousins in the past with Washington. So he has, you know, kind of a, a certain a knowledge of of what his skills are, what his makeup is. Obviously, I think that's the big key to this whole thing going forward is what what do they plan to do there? If they plan to keep Kirk Cousins, that re- really certainly indicates that they're going to try and win a bunch of games because for whatever misgivings some fans might have about Cousins and his abilities, he does raise the floor of the team and what it can do. So, um, so it could be that way. Or like he could have said to to Ziggy and Mark and to Andrew Miller and Quasi and everyone else, like he could say, "Look, guys, let's be real about this. Like you're not you're not close here. We 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 need to make we we may need to take a step back before you take a step forward." Type of a situation, and maybe he is advocating for a longer view and let's reshuffle the roster. Let's get younger. Let's. Let's um, let's look at, you know, getting what we can for Cousins and sort of um, moving on from that. Um, that I, I don't have knowledge of, but I do know that if that were the case, that would certainly go against what Mark Wilf said at the end of January after hire, after firing Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. He said, I think that we're pretty close. Um, I, I don't think a rebuild is necessary. And. And so it is very real and that we wrote, Chad Graff and I wrote this in our story uh, at The Athletic earlier this week, is that, you know, just because O'Connell is 36 years old and a first-time head coach does not mean that it automatically means rebuild. I mean, Matt, Lef- look look at all of the McVay tree guys. Lafleur has won big in Green Bay since he took over there. Uh, Zach Taylor has won big in Cincinnati since he took over there. Brandon Saley didn't win big with the Chargers, but I think he's really well thought of with what they're building there. Um, and obviously all three of those situations have elite quarterback play. And, and so that that dictates what what you do. Um, and, and Cousins isn't on that level. So that's what kind of really will make the next few months interesting in how they approach it is we got to get some answers on what their plans are for Kirk Cousins, and that will give us a huge indicator on what we can expect from them going into next season. 
The other fascinating aspect of this is they hired an offensive coach when their offense greatly outperformed their defense this year. Now I know, you know, it's more complex than that. The offense mm-hmm. had tons of talent, talent in its prime, a great young receiver in Justin Jefferson. I mean, the, the offense should perform pretty well, but the defense is really what needs to be fixed, and they hired an offensive coach. Now I'm okay with that. I think I think this conversation gets a little bogged down in in stereotypes. Yeah, you just got to hire a good CEO coach, and he'll figure things out. But it, it'll be fascinating to see who he hires as his defensive specialist because the defense needs a lot of work. Yeah, I want to see both. Co- I want to see both coordinators really, Jim. Um, the defense does need a ton of work, and as a first time head coach. You would think that maybe, you know, I remember when Mike Zimmer came in as a first time head coach, he went very experienced on the offensive coordinator side of things. So he could just kind of delegate that and let that and let that go. Um, and so maybe, you know, maybe um, uh, uh, O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell, maybe he 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 goes very experienced on the defensive side of the ball. I've heard the name Mike Patton. Um, kind of bandied about as a possibility. Uh, I'm lukewarm on that idea, but uh, but he certainly has experience. I think that they need to find someone with, you know, ideally with some head coaching experience too, um, who can come in and sort of be a sounding board like Kevin O'Connell, you know, and um, and so I that will be a key hire. But I would also like to see him hire someone really good as an offensive coordinator too. O'Connell has never called plays or didn't call plays for the Rams, I should say. Um, and that was a McVay thing. And so they are going to need a lot of bright minds to kind of get this thing turned around. I think, you know, I understand certainly them going offense with O'Connell, just given where the game has evolved and gone to. Um, and and we're seeing a lot of offensive minds across the league have success. But um, really what you want to see in his position is for him to be a I think like a CEO type leader of the coaching staff of the team and then bring in some really, really quality assistants and coordinators to kind of help him on the day-to-day play-to-play strategies that he's going to need to help with uh, as a first-time head coach. Mike Zimmer's available if you need a veteran head, uh, defense coordinator with head coaching experience. He's right you know, there. I, I would take Mike Zimmer as a defensive coordinator. Like I, I think yeah. that would be fine. Now, obviously not here, but and but like if I'm you know if I'm one of the you know if I'm Doug Peterson who I think just got hired by Jacksonville, right? Mm-hmm. Shoot, I'd call Mike Zimmer and say, "Do you want to come down and run this defense?" Like, you got a problem there. Rick Spielman seems to be. Uh, that is true. I forgot about that. That's probably not going to happen. Yep. Just good put point. the band back together. It'll Why not? Why not? But yeah, like I, I, I was, I, I want to see if Zim takes a year off or not because he does not seem like a guy that likes to take a year off, and so um, I can see him kind of get back, or maybe he waits out a year and then he goes and coaches with Sean Payton somewhere whenever he. Uh, Reemerges uh, in the coaching carousel in, in a year or two. Yeah, in Dallas, maybe. Yep. Of course, Dan Quinn is re up there, but who knows what's going to happen? It sounds like Sean Payton's bound for Dallas, though. All right. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's. Uh, we have a lot more to get to here, uh, including what Jacksonville might look like if Rick Smillen takes over. But hey, we want to thank our newest sponsor to the Viking Update show, Aquarius Home Services. 
Hey, it's Russo over at the Worst Seats in the House podcast. Did you know that Aquarius Home Services is your one-stop shop for all your home service needs? That's right. Aquarius Home Services is your complete home service provider dedicated to providing the highest quality water treatment, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical services. They pride themselves on providing superior five-star quality service. They respect you, your time, and your home with attention to details that really make a difference. If you or anyone you know have questions or concerns about your water heating and cooling, plumbing or electrical, Aquarius Home Services is here to help. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com for more details. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. I also want to ask you, have you tried to call your bank lately? Do you bank locally? Star Bank is our bank at the Talk North Podcast Network. They're a family-owned local bank with branches across central and west central Minnesota. With Star Bank, you get all the bells and whistles you would expect from a bank these days, but they have no 800 number, no call center, and no confusing phone queue. You can even request your banker's cell phone number. That's how they operate. Star Bank is a true Minnesota family-run business. Check them out at starbank.net. Star Bank is a member of FDIC and equal housing lender. I also want to thank my longtime friend and longtime State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland, H-O-A-G-L-U-N-D. This is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763 763- 421-4900 or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Spielman getting into Jacksonville just, is just fascinating because Balky is, is not going to last. He's not the kind of guy. He doesn't build up any allies. Uh, he's he constantly firing coaches, hiring the wrong coaches. He's going to be out. Spielman in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson and a lot of young talent and high draft picks would be fascinating. I don't know that it's going to work, but it would be fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. This feels very much, Jim, like, hey, Dwayne Casey, we're going to bring Randy Whitman in as an experienced (laughs) uh, assistant coach. We just think that he's going to bring something to the table. No, no, no. Your job is not in jeopardy. No, this is not a... A, a, a case of we're, we're, we're bringing in your replacement. This is just another great coach that we have a lot of trust in and a lot of experience, and he's going to be an asset to this staff. And then halfway through the year, Dwayne Casey's out and Randy Whitman's in, all, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, like the, the writing is on the wall. I mean, Byron Leftrich you know, basically told the ownership that he was not going to come there if Trent Balky was there. I think the reporting has been that several other uh, candidates turned down interviews for the job because Trent Belke was there. And so when you bring in a, a a GM with 16 years of experience and like for Spielman has a lot of wins, a lot of great draft picks, a lot of, uh, of, of a, you know, ability to, to identify talent down deeper in the draft and help that talent develop into really good players. I mean, this just says, Trent Balky, you're not long for here. And, you know, whether it's this offseason sometime or whether it's during the season next year or something, I anticipate a press conference saying that Trent Balky has been relieved of his duties and Rick Spielman is the new uh, acting general manager of this Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and you go into it. And, yeah, so from that aspect, I mean, Spielman is absolutely landing on his feet because – they have a wealth of draft picks. They have Trevor Lawrence, um, who was clearly bungled by the Urban Meyer regime. But I think if you get Doug Peterson, a great 
kind of offensive mind and a Super Bowl winning coach in there who knows what he's doing, uh, you know, that all immediately starts to turn things uh, in in a positive direction. So, um, you know, if if the Khan family can kind of stay out of the way and and let Rick Spielman and Doug Peterson work, I think there's a chance that things could turn around fairly quickly in Jacksonville. And, you know, the other part about it is, is that Rick Spielman would be working with a head coach who probably will acknowledge his existence, which is <laughs> a, a, a good thing as well. So, um, so in that is all year. set up pretty nicely for Rick Spielman. Absolutely. Oh man. Uh, let's, let's get into the Brian Flory situation. He's finally a class action lawsuit against the NFL. The NFL, as we speak here today, has one black head coach out of 32 jobs, even though it has 70% of the workforce, uh, you know, are, are black people. And a lot of the best coaching candidates appear to be black people. It's, it's fascinating. And listen, I, I've written this. I, I give the Vikings something of a pass because they, you know, they promoted Kevin Warren to be the highest ranking black member of a business side in the NFL. When he was here, they hired a young black general manager when they really could have justified hiring somebody with more experience. So the fact that the Vikings hired a white head coach isn't as alarming to me as some of the other processes I've seen around, but still at some point, somebody's got to hire a black head coach or the problem is just ridiculously obvious. A hundred percent, Jim. And yeah, like, let's just look at the Vikings for a minute. Like, I think one of the things in the Flores lawsuit that is clear is that he is very upset at the notion of getting interviewed just to check a box, mm -hmm. right? Just, you know, and and the, the team really doesn't have any interest in you. He, he published those uh, text messages from Bill Belichick. Uh, telling him that they're, you know, essentially mistakenly, mistakenly that um, that it was his job when he actually meant to be talking to Brian Dabble from the Bills. But, you know, Belichick had heard that the Giants already had made their decision before Flores even interviewed. And and so that is kind of one of the things that is sticking in Flores's cries. Like we're not even getting chances here. These guys are picking their own guys. And then just then, you know, interviewing a, a, a black coach just to make it for optics. Um, I believe that the Vikings process was not just for optics because they interviewed Patrick Graham for nine hours the day before Jim Harbaugh came in. All of our reporting is that Jim Harbaugh was not the rubber stamp, which clearly it showed when they ended up going with Kevin O'Connell. But they they interviewed Raheem Morris uh, extensively. They interviewed uh, Patrick Graham extensively and I think gave them real opportunities to win the job. They ultimately picked Kevin O'Connell and whether that, that that may be the wrong pick again, they maybe they should have hired Morris or Graham or, or somebody else. But, um, but I think that the process was genuine with them on that front. But it is clear that in other processes, around the league, it has not been genuine. And the simple fact that there is only one black head coach in this league is an abomination. Like that's, that is inexcusable at all, you know, all. And Kenny Stills tweeted it, you know, a couple of days ago, like you need more representation and ownership. 
because that's where it comes from. People hire who people who look and are like them or are comfortable that they are comfortable with. And most of the time it's white men hiring white men. And, um, you know, the, 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 the quick retort is, oh, they should just hire the best candidate. You know, that, that's, that's what they should do. They shouldn't look at the color of their skin. You cannot tell me that for 31 of the 32 jobs in this league, the, uh, that a, a black candidate was not the best candidate. Like that's impossible. Like there's just not, there's no logic that finds that. So it is a very real issue. It's a major issue. And this lawsuit is really going to put all of the business of the, the, the league in the street. Um, and, and it's going to make some very uncomfortable conversations. And I think for Brian Flores to do this took an incredible amount of courage and guts because it is a very real possibility, probably even a likelihood that he never works in the NFL again. Very possible. And uh, it's just remarkable to see someone with Flores record the last two years get fired. Jim Caldwell got fired when he had won nine games two years in a row. This just doesn't happen to white coaches. It just doesn't. And white black coaches as a body have a higher winning percentage in the NFL than white coaches as a body. Uh, you know, Leslie Frazier uh, would be a good candidate. Jim Caldwell's an incredible candidate if you look at his record. And they just don't get a shot. Uh, you know, Eric Bieniemy should probably, even if you think there's something about his personality that is grading or difficult, he should still get a chance. There are white coaches. I mean, Bill Belichick's a grading difficult guy, and and he got hired twice. It, they just do not get treated the same, which is the essence of discrimination. Well, and then the other part is the other obviously bombshell in the lawsuit, Jim, is that allegedly, allegedly, Brian Flores says that Stephen Ross offered him $100,000 mm-hmm. per loss. And so even when he did get that opportunity, was it a real opportunity? Like um, he was essentially being brought in, it seems like, if this is true, again, if this is true, the Dolphins dispute this, but if this is true, he was being brought in as the guy to lose a bunch of games during this kind of rebuild for the Dolphins and you gar- I can guarantee you that they would – if Brian Flores would have went along with this and said, okay, um, I'll, I'll lose a bunch of games for you and, and we'll get in position to get higher draft picks and restock the shelves and all that. When it was time to shift from rebuild to winning, do you think Brian Flores would have been the guy who, who got that job? No. He would have been fired and Jim Harbaugh or somebody else would have been brought in as the guy who says, "Okay, we're taking the next step into winning and this is how it's going to go. So um, even when black coaches get the chance, very few of them get real chances to be successful. Very few of them are Mike Tomlin and just get the incredible support of the Steelers franchise to, to do what he did. More of them are like Steve Wilkes, who goes to Arizona, gets one year and gets run out of there while Cliff Kingsbury has his own struggles and gets a lot longer leash, um, you know, with a much better quarterback, by the way, uh, Kyler Murray over Josh Rosen. So, um, you know, that's the kind of thing that really grades on these guys. And I have done a lot of reporting on this, Jim. Uh, I've talked to a ton of black coaches, assistant coaches and former head coaches and things. And so many of them wanted to do something like 
what Brian Flores is doing. But understandably, they're like, look, I have a family to feed. I have I have a, a life to live. Like if I do this, if I go scorched earth on it, I'm never going to work in the league again. And they saw what happened to Colin Kaepernick. And um, and they're like, look, this isn't going to work for me. And it, it took someone who just was fed up to the point where he doesn't care if he loses everything. And that is a very dangerous person for the the NFL to deal with because there is no kind of satiating him. There's no way to kind of pull him back. This is a guy who wants to burn it all down. And so um, I'm sure there are a lot of very nervous people in the league office, in franchises around the league, wondering if discovery is going to come for them and, and get them in some real hot water. It's amazing what the NFL has survived in its path to becoming the most popular sport in North American history. Uh, concussion lawsuits, uh, obvious overt racism, uh, you know, lawsuit after lawsuit that, that, you know, cost them money and threatened at least to provide discovery and behind the scenes. I mean, we've just seen, we've learned so many ugly things about the NFL over the years. My, my, the cynical part of me wonders, will anything really make a difference? I don't, I, it won't. Like, I'll, I'll tell you this, Jim, like, it's not going, like, it's not going to change the way that fans watch the game. It's not going to, you know, cut down on ratings. Um, it's not, it's not going to do any of that. Like, um, hopefully it, it raises discussions and it brings scrutiny and it, um, it ch- makes some changes to the way things are going because they are absolutely not working. But football is, you know, it's, it's bigger than Jesus. Like what w- John Lennon said, right? Like, like it's the national religion. And, and so it would take something so much even worse. And this is terrible for anything to be jeopardized because people just love it so much. And there are going to be a bunch of bad actors, Jim, who can easily explain this away and say, oh, affirmative action is BS. Oh, like this is, you know, why can't they, why don't they have a Rooney rule for white people? Like, you know, if you did that, that would be racist. Like there will be a bunch of very um, uh, underhanded and uh, ways that that and mental gymnastics that fans will put themselves through to say this is not a big deal at all. It's not going to change the way that I watch the 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 uh, the product. It's not going to change my feelings on the Giants who are implicated in this. My feelings on the Broncos who are in, implicated in this. You know, um, all, or or the Dolphins or any of that. So um, it's just not like I don't I and I and I honestly I don't know what it would take for something to knock football off of its pedestal right now it is just a machine that is going to keep going forward because it has engineered the perfect product for a short attention span um audience and with fantasy football and all those things it's just a juggernaut and so anybody who says this is something that is going to kind of jeopardize the nfl standing in america no because the racism has a great standing in America as well right now. So the two, you know, that's, that's just, uh, that's, it, it, there's not, there's nothing that's going to, that's going to change that coming out of this Brian Flores lawsuit for sure. 
Yeah, and I, I'm not even making the argument that I want to see like the league's popularity dip because, mm-hmm. I, listen, I'm a hypocrite. I hate many things about the NFL, and I watch the games, so I, I'm not going to pretend that other people shouldn't watch the games or won't watch the games. I want to see the owners at least shaken a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're rich. They feel invulnerable. Uh, I want them to be shaken. I want them to to feel some pain. I don't know if that's in the terms of uh, legal discovery or financial ramifications or whatever, but I just want the, the comfortable, casually racist NFL owner to feel some angst. Yeah. And, and like, look, I think that they should be very nervous right now. Look at what happened with the John Gruden stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like you can't tell me that there isn't other kind of, things that will be unearthed um, through discovery if, you know, assuming this lawsuit goes forward that, and maybe it has nothing to do with, um, with, uh, you know, representation and opportunities for minorities and coaching. Maybe there's all sorts of other communications that get uh, uh, you know, unearthed because of this that are, you know, that are on a Gruden like level. Um, And so whenever, the very shadowy NFL franchises have to open their doors and let a little light in. It usually does not reflect well on the operation. And so that should be their biggest concern right now. And I'm sure that it is. Good stuff from John. Thanks for listening to talknorth.com. We'll be back next week to preview Kevin O'Connell's appearance in the Super Bowl. (laughs) 